0: Now to him, verse 25, Romans 16, 25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest, and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all all the nations, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, for obedience to the faith, to God alone wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. We read a a passage this morning, and, and we see how the Apostle Paul is penning the last few sentences to this particular letter. And he has brought us to a place of, of just absolutely loving the gospel. Loving the gospel. I mean, describing who mankind is and making it so clear that there's none, there's none righteous. No, not not One. There's none who does good at all. The the wrath of God has been placed upon us and, and you go through this book and you see the incredible grace of God taking us through and showing us that it's not by our own deeds or by our own works or by our own righteousness that we are saved, but it is totally and completely the result of the work of Christ upon the cross that we're saved. And to go through and chapter after chapter showing us that it is by faith alone that we're saved. And this particular doctrine that is just vital to the church, one in which countless saints have been martyred for, to hold firm to the doctrine that we are saved by faith alone. It's not works. It's not faith plus what we have to offer to God it's just laid out for us in Scripture that our righteousness is like filthy rags in His sight. There's nothing that we could ever do to earn His favor. It is totally and completely the work of Christ upon the cross, and He saves us by faith in Him. And we, we, look, at, we look at this book, and we see it, and it's just incredible to think of the gospel saved, the magnitude of that is as far as you look at this book and you see that, that you weren't righteous at all. You, you had no righteousness of your own. And then to think that for some of us, maybe 10 years from now, some 20, some 30, some 40, depending on for Lord Terry's. But let's just take it a million years from now you and i through faith in christ will be there in heaven with with an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled that doesn't fade away heirs of god belonging to him clothed with these robes of righteousness being there for all eternity and looking at it and 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 looking at our Savior, at our Lord, the one in whom we are able to approach and we're able to see. And he sits on a throne and there's thundering and lightnings that come from the throne and this rainbow around in his voice and having him there to wipe away every tear and to be able to be there and to enter into the joy of him and realizing that It is all the result of Christ, and it is all the result of grace, and it all came to us through faith, and it wasn't ourselves. It was all him, and to him belongs all glory, both now and forevermore, and we'll just be praising him and praising him and praising him, and it all is the result of the gospel. And as good as we believe the gospel to be on this morning, Brothers and sisters, when you are there a million years, it will be sweeter and sweeter as you're able to understand the depth of what it is that Christ has accomplished for us. So he closes this book, now unto him, unto Christ. Now unto him. The all-powerful God of this universe. Now unto him. Who is able to make you stand, or who is able to establish you. Who is able to strengthen you to stand. Now unto him who is able to strengthen you to stand, to establish you. According to my gospel, the preaching of Jesus Christ... So he goes from there now to him who is able to make you stand. See the gospel. The gospel saves us. It saves us. It takes us who were sinners and cleanses us with the blood of Christ and makes us so that we are as white as snow and gives us an inheritance. Makes us so that we belong to Him. Makes us so that. That we are in his family by faith alone, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's a gift from God. We are taken and placed into his family, and that is the result of the gospel. through your faith in him. This incredible sweetness is our salvation and what he's accomplished. But the gospel is more than believe this and be saved. The gospel is such that it is believe this and be saved, but also... Believe this because the gospel makes it so that we can stand. The gospel establishes us. The gospel makes it so that everything is different for us in this life. Our hope in the gospel is such that it's not believe this and then everything's going to be okay. We depend upon the gospel daily. The gospel is vital to us. The gospel is something in which we... When we think about it, when we look at the glory of the gospel, it changes everything for us as far as our world and life view. How we live daily, the way that we think, the way that we act. Every part of what takes place within our heart and our hope and our fears and all of these things. The gospel is such that it is able to establish you and cause you to stand. The glory of it, the gospel. The gospel. preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest, and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, for the obedience to the faith. The gospel saves us, and that same gospel, which was told to us through all the prophets, the thousands and thousands of prophecies that were given, the pictures that were given of Christ who was to come, all of it that was given, you look and it's, it is able to make us obedient to the faith. It is, causes us to stand and establishes us. This gospel. You look and just, in just the, the book of Romans as we've been studying it, the gospel is able to make you stand. Let's look at it. If you go back with me to Romans one sixteen, begin there, and just do a little quick survey through just a, a few of the aspects of the gospel that makes it so that we can stand. In Romans 1.16, Paul says, "For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, <clears throat> for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. In the words that go from there, because it is the power of God unto salvation." for everyone who believes. Part of standing in the gospel is to be able to look and be able to say the gospel is the good news because it is the power of God. And you say words like that the power of God we're talking about all powerful omnipotent Does whatsoever he wills to do. There's nothing that's too hard for him. There's no one that can stop him. There's no one that can say, what are you doing? There's no one that can hold him back in any way. It's the power of God unto salvation. It is God who works mightily for our salvation. Who accomplishes it. And it comes to us who believe. Verse 17 there, it says, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The gospel is able to make us stand because in the gospel, it's the righteousness of God that's revealed. (laughs) This is radical. If you have been a part of the church and have been a part of just going to church and you hear the word and you you grew up in the church and maybe it is that you've been at a, a kind of church that was very man-centered and very works-oriented and you've kind of always just looked and thought well I think I've done enough I think I'm okay I you know if, if I were to die today I think I'm okay I mean I've gone to church I've done my thing I've done. and in your mind you immediately go to a works-oriented mentality as far as like think I don't know I, I think I'll be okay when I get there you, you you have no idea of the gospel. The gospel isn't such of I think I've done enough, I think I'm okay, I'm gonna try to be a good husband, I try to be a good dad, I try to, to be hard at work, I try to, you know, help people when I need I mean I can look at some good things in my life. You have no idea of the gospel because the gospel says that your best deeds are like filthy rags in his sight. But now there is the righteousness of God that comes. And so you look at this righteousness that's perfect, perfect. Christ fulfilled all righteousness, always did the things that pleased the Father, always loved the Lord God with all of his heart, with all of his soul, and with all of his mind, and with all of his strength, always loved his neighbor as himself, never sinned, never coveted, never was proud, never did anything in which we would look at and say sin. He was perfectly holy, a Lamb of God, without spot, without blemish, without any such thing fulfilled all righteousness, and now the righteousness of Christ comes by faith. It changes everything as far as how we stand. changes everything for us as far as how we stand. When you look at the righteousness of God and you say, okay, that righteousness is the righteousness which has saved me, It's no longer performance-oriented. It's no longer, have I done enough? It's no longer, I think my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds. You look at it and you say, like, I'm empty-handed. I got nothing, and I come to him, and the righteousness of God now comes to me. Now is placed on me. Changes everything for us. I mean, I just... That idea of, have I done enough? It, It just goes out the door, and you look at it, and you say... Okay, so you mean to tell me on this particular day, through faith in Christ, he'll never see me as more righteous than he does right now? I'd say, absolutely. You've been clothed with righteousness that are a foreign righteousness. It's been imputed to you. It's been placed upon your account, and there was nothing that you added to it. It was a foreign one that was placed upon your account, and it's just glorious. It changes the way that we live. No longer it's like okay I'll do this because I have to do this I you know so tell me what I got to do give me the list what do I got to do it changes everything for us to where it's just I just love him I love him I I have his righteousness he's taken my sins. I love him. I want to please him. I want to sing praises to him. I want to lift up my hands. I want to go tell people. I want to go on a missions trip. I want to do that. You're not making me serve a mandatory two years of missions trip. I just want to go. I want to go. I want to go preach the gospel. I want to go do that. I want to send people to go. I want to go to the prayer meeting. I want to pray for the saints. I want to use the gifts that God's given me for the furtherance of the gospel and for the building up of the saints. I want to do this because I love him. He gave me a righteousness that's not my own He's done it. He's paid it all. It's all been fulfilled. All of it's been done. And that is the good news of the gospel. It changes the way that we stand. In chapter 3, verse 20, if you'll look there with me. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. And then Romans 3, 21. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. And so you look at this and it's just a furtherance of what we've been talking about. By the deeds of the law, nobody would ever be justified in his sight, but now there is a righteousness that comes to us. And you hear the Holy Spirit inspiring the the author Paul to write these things. But I love that, that little section where he says, even the righteousness of God it's not our righteousness it's the righteousness of god that comes to us to who to all who believe to all who believe so you hear this morning and you say that's me i believe i believe that jesus is god i believe that he died on the cross for my sins i believe that he rose again on the third day if you ask me how do I know that I'm going to go to heaven? It's not based upon anything that I've ever done, but it's based upon the fact that he took my sins upon himself and that he gives me his righteousness. That's how I know I'm saved. It's because of the gospel. He took my sins and he gave me his righteousness. And you're there and you say, I believe that. I believe that God sent his only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I believe that. And you look and you say, saying, clothed with robes of righteousness. Totally and completely righteous as a result of the cross, as a result of the gospel. Look at it with me at Romans 5, verse 20. The gospel Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So you start to look at your life, and you start looking at even being a believer, and you know the weight of the sin that you still commit, and you know that that you fail miserably, and you know that you could say, okay, like from this point on, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to sin in that area anymore. I'm going to be good. I'm changed. Everything's changed. I'm going to go in a different direction, and you go in a different direction, and. It's quite possible that you fall again. And to be able to be in a place of standing on the gospel, standing on the gospel that says where sin abounded, where it abounded, where it was just overflowing, grace abounded much more. It's the gospel. Look Look at that. Where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. I I hear people say, yeah, God can't forgive me. You have no idea what I did. You you have no idea what I've done. If if people in this room knew what I had done, they wouldn't even want to sit next to me. You have no idea what I've done. And to be able to say, here's the gospel. The gospel is able to make you stand because where sin abounded, and that may describe you, it abounded. It does describe, describe you whether you know it or not. Grace abounded much more. I mean, grace just quenched it all, took it all away. The gospel. It makes you stand because you, like Paul, will come to a place of... What am I doing? The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I hate are the very things that I do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who could save me from this body of death? And then you're going to come to a place of, I thank God, through Jesus Christ, my Lord. And the reason why is because where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. It changes the way that we stand. It firms up our footing. We're no longer there and just being in a place of, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. I'll walk that aisle every week. I don't care. I'm just a terrible. and just preach the gospel you know, seeing come just as you are over and over again. I'll come every week. I'll come and get saved over and over again. And, and you're just in this place of, I don't know, hopefully I don't die in the midst of sin because then I'm dead for sure and going to hell. You know, and just this mentality that's so works-oriented. There's no standing on that. It's just a slippery place where you're always wondering when you're going to fall. And to be able to be in a place of, no you know, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Look at Romans 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So how should we live then? I mean, the way you're talking, he'll never see me as more righteous than than he does right now. I mean, where sin abounds, is grace abounds much more. I can sin and then just 1 John 1, 9, confess it and he's faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness and I'll just do that. and, And you look and, But what do we say then? Should we sin that grace might abound? And the response is, certainly not. God forbid, absolutely not. No, 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 no. (laughs) Don't think that way. Don't live in a way of, I got liberty. I can do whatever I want to do. God forgave me. I'm just going to live just like the world. And I'll just make sure that, you know, at the end of the day, I say a quick prayer. And certainly not. Certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. So should we sin that grace might abound? And the response is, God forbid, no. Don't think like that. Realize this, that when Christ is there, picture him upon this cross. When Christ is dying upon that cross, you died with him. With him, all of the wrath that ever could have placed upon you, that ever could have been placed upon you, the eternity in hell in which you deserved and I deserved, was placed upon Christ on that cross as he hung there. He took all of your sins upon himself, and when he died, you died with him, so that you would never have to experience the wrath of God ever again. Because all of it was placed upon him, and when he hung on that cross, he said at the end, "It is finished. It's done." And so Paul's saying, okay, so if we died with him and we were buried with him, and when he rose again, we rose again in newness of life with him. If we are found in Christ, so we die with him, we're buried with him, we rise again with him. Why would you ever want to do the things in which put Christ upon the cross? Not only that, but he's freed you from it. He's freed you from the law, he's freed you from sin, he's freed you from all these things. You once were a slave and all that you could do was just go into a direction of sinfulness, sinfulness, sinfulness. The inclination of your heart was only evil continually. This is the direction that you were going. You were a slave to sin. And so he would just say, absolutely not. You've been freed from sin. You're no longer a slave to sin. So why would you still want to live in it? And it's just this way of thinking the gospel. It makes you stand. You, you look and you say, okay, sh- should I be looking on that on the internet? Should I pursue this other relationship? Should I be falling into to, to drugs or drunkenness? Should I be in a place of being horrific around my family and being terrible with them and having incredible anger issues and being mean and being just a gossip or materialistic and just consumed with the stuff of the world? Should I fall into sin? Should I do this? And, and, and God would just say, absolutely not. You died with him. You were buried with him. You rose again from the dead with him. He freed you from sin. You're no longer a slave to sin. Why would you want to put yourself back under the bondage of slavery again? See, when you you understand the gospel, it changes the way that you think. You look and you say, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't have to do that anymore. I could pursue righteousness. There could be the fruit of the Spirit that just pours forth out of my life. What's over the... Man sows that, will he also reap? I can sow to the things of the Spirit. I don't have to sow to the junk of the world and reap the destruction that comes with it anymore. I'm a new creation. The Holy Spirit now is inside me, working in me both to will and to do of his good pleasure. There's a change that's taking place. I'm totally a new creation in him. He is my helper. He is molding me and conforming me into his image. Why would I ever want to go back to the old place that I was before When I believe in the gospel, and he's changed me. Verse 10 of chapter 6, For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you shall obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're no longer under the law but under grace. It's the gospel. And so the gospel changes the way that we stand. It changes the way that we live. We look and we just say, okay, so he died to sin once for all. All of them. Past, present, present. Future sins, he died to sin once for all. He paid the price, it was paid in full. So now, we're not to let sin reign in our mortal bodies as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. The gospel makes it so that we can now present ourselves to God as being alive from the dead And your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you anymore. The gospel changes everything about the practical way in which you here on this morning live, changes how we live. God didn't just save us and say, okay, now good luck to you, do your best. The gospel is such that it changes everything as far as how we think and how we live. In verse 17, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered the gospel. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. At this point, it's changed. It's, I'm a slave of righteousness now. I want to live for him now. I want to take my body, my members, every part of it, and I'm no longer a slave to that horrific master that I had that caused me to go in the direction of sin completely, but rather I'm a slave of righteousness. I want to live for him. I want to live for him. I want to take my life and just say, hey, God, all of it, it's all yours Take the gifts that you've given me. They belong to you. I want to be a light. I want to go. And I want to proclaim the gospel. I want to share the gospel with people. I want to go. I want to tell people of the good news of Christ. I want to bring them the best news they could ever hear. I want to proclaim the gospel. I want to tell it to my neighbor. I want to tell it to people in my workplace. I want to tell it to my friends at school. I want to tell it to my family. I want them to understand the gospel. I'm not going to cease to preach the gospel. Because the gospel... Is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. It's the best news that anybody could hear. And so I want to proclaim the gospel. I want to be intentional in proclaiming the gospel. I want to, not only that, but I want to pursue righteousness. How can I build up the saints? How can I use the gifts that God's given me for the furtherance of the gospel? It changes everything as far as the way that we live. We're no longer slaves to our old master. We're slaves unto God for righteousness. Romans 8, verse 1, if you'll turn a couple chapters down. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. <coughs> no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It's the gospel. To me, that changes, though, the way that I think. See, I was, I was condemned. I was condemned. I, I was in a place where I deserved eternity apart from him. But now there's no condemnation. There's none. You look at verse 15 of Romans 8. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So there's there's no condemnation. And you're no longer in a place of fear. That bondage of fear. Rather... You're you're able through the gospel to approach your Lord, your God, the creator of this entire universe, the one whose eyes are like a flame of fire, the one in whom people fall down before him, the one in whom in the Old Testament they couldn't even look upon him lest they die, the one in whom had a veil that was there. So before you could enter into the Holy of Holies, there was this veil that was there that separated. And you look at the gospel, the gospel, when Christ died on that cross, that veil, as you you remember, was torn in two to where you have access to him. So there's no condemnation for you anymore, but rather you're able to call him Abba Father, Daddy Father. There is this relationship that's there that changes everything as far as the way that you approach him. You approach him in such a way of, he is my Lord, he is my God. God He is my heavenly Father, my Abba Father, my daddy I could I could call out to him, I could pray to him like that. The gospel has made it so i 'm not far off anymore, but now i 've been brought near by the precious blood of Christ to where it changes everything for me to where I could just I can call upon him. my heart is broken i 'm sad i 'm struggling in this area, and I could just call upon him as my friend and as my father and as my abba father, my my daddy in heaven. It's the gospel. It changes the way that you pray. It changes the way that you approach him. Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. A verse that's familiar to most all of you, but to be able to look and say, okay, so who are the called? The called are those who believe in him, who have faith in him. And so you look at it and you say, So so now I know that as a believer, all things work together for good. All things. It was the first verse that we had Jonathan learn. Driving with him, okay, Jonathan. And we know, and we know, remember this, and we know that all things, all of them, everything, all of them, work together for good. To those who love him. To those who are the called. To those who are the called according to his purpose. Him who determined these things. Who called us. We know, and what a joy that is, because you know what, there's times where things come into our lives that we did not expect. Trials that come that are just brutal. You'll hear believers say this, man, I don't know how an unbeliever would do this. I don't know how an unbeliever could go through this. the weight of this that's coming upon me, how could an unbeliever ever go through something as horrific as we're going through right now? My only hope is in Christ. My only hope is that he can take this circumstance and he can work it together for good. And he promises us that. It makes you stand. It gives you a view of God in which God's not there just saying like, okay, boom, you blew it this time and I'm gonna make things miserable for you and you're not my own anymore. Or in the, no, he called you according to his purpose and he'll take it and he'll work it together for good in your life. It gives you a peace that passes understanding. It changes everything about the way that you view trials in your life to know the gospel. The gospel saves us and he works in us, to mold us, to conform us to his image. He began the good work in us, and he'll be finished to, or faithful to complete it, and he does this, and he will take everything that we go through, and he will work it together for good. Brothers and sisters, that's huge when you're going through a trial, to be able to look and say, he will work this together for good. He'll work this together for good. It makes you stand. It establishes you. Verse 29, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. The gospel, it changes everything for us because we look and we say, okay, how am I the called?" Well, he predestined me before the foundations of this world. And so you look and, okay, so he foreknew me, he predestined me to be conformed to the image of his Son. So before he ever created anything, he knew me and predestined me to be conformed to the image of his Son. To do that. To make you and me like Christ, clothed with his righteousness, made in his image, being molded and conformed more and more into his image. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he called. And whom he called, these he justified. He made it so that you were without sin. And not only that, those that he justified... These he also glorified. And you will spend eternity with them. And you look at this, and it's the sweetness of the gospel is looking at this and saying, okay, there is a plan, and he started it by foreknowing us and predestining us. He started it by, by calling us. He justifies us. And he will glorify us. He will do all of these things to where, for us, all oh, the joy that comes from that as a Christian to be able to look at it and say the faithfulness of God to do this. What shall we say then? The next verse. What do we say then? What do we say when we when we look at this and we look at for new, predestined, called, justified, glorified? What do we say to these things? And the response is, "What do we, what do we say to these things? If God is for us." Who could be against us? That's where it's to bring us to. If God's for us, who could ever be against us? Wanting us to have such a view of God that we just look upon him and say, like, he's for me. The next verse, for if he did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He's gonna give you Everything. Not only that, but who will bring a charge against God's elect? Who could look and say, well, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. You haven't done enough. You haven't done enough. Look what's going on in your life. This is terrible. Look what's going on in your life. Who could bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who, who can condemn? It's Christ who died. For them was also risen, who's even at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us, who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Who who could separate us from his love? Who could bring a charge? It's Christ. It's Christ who died. It's Christ who rose. It's Christ who makes intercession for us. And you look at the gospel and it's just okay, I am safe. I'm safe because of him. I'm safe. Paul, I'm persuaded. That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gospel establishes us. It makes it so we can stand. Told to us in the prophetic scriptures, made known to the nations. According to the commandment of the everlasting God. And Paul just finishes this section with just incredible praise unto him the everlasting god to god alone wise to god alone wise to god who alone has all wisdom who knows all things who had a plan of redemption a plan of of creating man and seeing here in this grand demonstration of His grace, knowing that man would fall into sin, knowing that he would die spiritually, the whole sacrificial system, the blood, shedding of blood for the remission of sins, a lamb without spot or blemish being killed, going to the point of John the Baptist, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, the shedding of blood for the remission of sins, the payment that's been paid, all of the pictures of the Old Testament all coming to fruition in Christ. He, the manna, our our bread, he, the fountain of living water that makes it so that we never thirst again. Going through and just looking at he who was the bronze serpent that was there placed on the pole so that whoever would look upon that would be healed from the bite that came from the serpent. And us being able to take Christ who was there hanging upon the cross and through faith in him and through looking upon him, we could be saved from the wrath to come because of what he's accomplished. And you begin to go through all of scripture and you look at it and it is all pointing to the marriage supper of the Lamb and us being there and saying, to you belong glory and honor and power both now and forevermore for you were slain. You died. You were the Lamb of God that paid the price for us. You have made it so that there is no boasting whatsoever, but you have made a name for yourself and that we were sinners in desperate need of help and you became the propitiation. You became the payment. You died for our sins. You've done all of this so that we could be in heaven for all eternity and all the wisdom of God. You created it and you've displayed your love for us and your grace and your holiness and your wrath and all of these things so that we can look and praise you forevermore because we see a God, a creator who does things like that and makes for himself a people who were not his people, but he makes us the very people of God and he does this so that you and I will have every reason for all eternity to praise him, Scripture says, both now and forevermore because he's showed us his character and who he is and his great love with which he's loved us. And so Paul just says to God alone wise, be glory through Christ, through Jesus Christ forever. All glory, all wisdom, the wisdom and the glory of God displayed through Christ. God sent his son and when we look upon Christ, our Lord and our God, we see perfect wisdom and we see the glory of God in just the most amazing ways that it changes everything for us. Amen. We look upon this book and to think of our Savior. May we leave this place now to Him who is able to make you stand, establish you through the gospel. May we have great confidence in our Lord as we leave this morning. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you so much for the gospel. Not only do you save us, but you keep us, and you mold us, and you conform us into your image. You give us legs in which we can stand on because of the gospel, because of our hope that comes from you. And may that just change everything for us. May we have no confidence in our flesh, but may all of our confidence be in the gospel. May we not live in sin in which you have died for. May we no longer be slaves to sin since you've made us slaves unto you and unto righteousness. May it change the way that we live. May it change the way that we pray. May it change the way that we worship. May it change the way that we give. May it change the way that we plan vacations. And may it change the way that we plan time at home. May it change the way that we talk to our wives and the way that we talk to our kids May it change the way that we talk to our neighbors. May it give us hearts that desire to proclaim the gospel. May it change every area of our life. May it free us from bondage to sin. May it make us pursue holiness. God, please accomplish this in our lives. Cause us to see the glory of the gospel and the glory of you and the power that comes in such a way that you make it so that we can stand. We love you, Lord. May we express that through the praises at this time. In Jesus' name, amen.